Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, Gil Gross here, and it is time for a preview of the 2023 Roland Garros men's final between Novak Djokovic and Casper Ruud. Novak goes for major number 23, record-breaking. He also is going for his third Roland Garros. He would have three or more majors, or three or more titles, I should say, at all four majors. Kasparud going for that coveted first major title. First big title, by the way. He doesn't have a 1,000 either. I don't think he has a 500. So, obviously, uh, it's, it would be you know the biggest title of his career. But he's actually been in many big finals. And this is his third major final. I feel... Um, I want to start with Rude because I feel bad, honestly. I genuinely feel bad if you're a Kasparud fan. I just haven't really been able to cover him in post-match videos. I was planning on covering Rude Zverev, and the match ended, and part of it was because during the first set, I was kind of distracted, uh, getting out my Djokovic-Alcaraz stuff, and the rest of the match went by, and at the end, I'm just like, I don't have really enough interesting things to say to make a video here. That's genuinely what happened. It's rare it happens, but it happened. Uh, so I'm going to make up for it by uh, just talking a little bit about Casper just to start before I talk about each player's keys to victory, as always, and make a prediction. Uh, this, I think, is Casper's best run at a major. I think this is better than Roland Garros last year. He beat Hubert Hurkacz. He beat Ahul Garuna, who at the time was ranked 40 in the world. He beat Marin Cilic in the semis. U.S. Open last year, he had two big wins, two good wins against Berrettini and Hachanov. Here, he beat his first top 10 player at a major, which was Runa. And Zverev is a guy who, yeah, was 27 in the world, but top 10 in my rankings, top 10 in my power rankings. So it's almost like two top 10 wins at a major, and he, he had never really done that before. Zverev domination. Uh, obviously, six love in the third, straight set win. A little bit of a poetry because he exited Roland Garros uh, last year with a 6-0 Third set, lost to Nadal. Now he enters the final with a 6-0 win. Uh, but his defense and his returning was really confounding for Zverev. Uh, Sasha's first serve was being neutralized by Casper with ease. He was standing as deep as he possibly could. 
If the lines judges weren't there, then maybe he would have been even further, but they were. I mean, he was on the tarp, and he was just absorbing Zverev's first serve pace with these beautifully deep, high-margin returns that had a lot of shape on them, and Zverev just didn't have a lot of pace to work with. He wasn't drawing short balls with his first serve. He wasn't getting free points. It was total domination uh, of Zverev's first serve, actually, which is pretty rare. And then after that, it was like Rude's speed and his defense was just so hard for Zverev to finish against. Sasha was coming forward, and his win rate at net was uh, absolutely uh, horrid. It's rare that you see net points won stats lower or worse than this, but uh, Sasha was 13 for 28 at net, so 46% win rate. And again, I know that's only slightly under 50, but these are points where oftentimes you're serving, you're in a winning position, and Casper is stealing these points. I was impressed with Rude's passing shots. So good at dipping it at Zverev's feet and hitting the, the second pass as the kill shot. Again, uh, even when he had to hit the slice, he was able to do that and just kind of deaden his hands, soften the ball, and put it in an awkward spot for Zverev. Uh, there was also some good lobs by Rude combined with a really poor overhead day for Zverev. And then offensively, the first serve was firing, but the forehand really was just a, a consistent damage machine. And Rude hit more aces than Zverev as well. Rally length stats tell a, a pretty big story. You look at uh, zero through four shots, really one through four shots. But I guess if you double fault, isn't that a zero shot rally? Or is that a one shot rally? Philosophical differences doesn't matter. Anyway, one through four shots were 43 to 26 Rude for the match. That's a 17 point advantage. Uh, five through eight was a five-point edge for Rude. Once the rallies were long, nine plus, it was even. 21-19, actually, for Zverev. Uh, but Rude was so much better with his early offense, with his serve in his forehand, than Zverev was with his early offense, with his first serve and his ground strokes behind it. That difference was enormous and much too uh, much too wide for Zverev to make up. All right, that's all I got on the Zverev Rude match. Casper has officially turned around his season, huh? Because that is a statement win in the semifinal of a major. And again, I think his most impressive. Uh, but Hachinov on hard court, I respect that win a ton. I mean, that's a tough win. We know how well uh, Hachinov has done at the recent majors. But still, I think this might be a notch above. I don't know. Debatable. Honestly, debatable the more I think about it. Let's get to the, the final now. Head-to-head. Uh, -head, history. 4-0 Novak. Rude has never won a set. They've played twice at the ATP Finals. They have played twice in Rome. Two of Djokovic's best tournaments throughout his career, in fairness. Uh, but it has it, it not been competitive whatsoever. Harkening back to their 
latest meeting, their previous meeting, which was in another big final uh, in Turin last year in at the year-end championships. I will kind of just run through briefly without getting into the same kind of depth that I got into on Monday match analysis after that match. Uh, just kind of quick bullet points for how I saw that match and the notes I have on that match. So one, Novak drives his returns on a quick court like that. Rude was blocking his returns. There's a big difference in the quality of return you're able to achieve when you're driving it versus when you're blocking it, particularly when the court position is the same. It's one thing when you're driving from deep or if you're blocking from in tight, uh, that can be a little bit more even. But, you know, Djokovic was on top of the baseline, Rude was on top of the baseline, and there was just a big difference in the aggression that each player were able to achieve on the return. Uh, that's somewhat irrelevant, I think, for this one because Rude doesn't block his returns nearly as much on clay. All right, next one. Djokovic forehand was the biggest... Ground stroke on court. Forehand winners, 14-5 to five for Novak. Rude's backhand defense wasn't working. Just ineffective. He makes extra balls, or he was making extra balls on the backhand side, but he couldn't shift control of the rally. And that had a lot to do with his struggles to get the ball out of the middle of the court when he was trying to neutralize on his backhand. Oftentimes, we're talking about slice defense. Sometimes we're talking about topspin defense. Lastly, uh, rude overall passive tendencies in that match, uh, accepting a lot of backhands, particularly on the return of serve, and also accepting a rather deep court position and he wasn't too eager to recover that court position, and I felt that cost him. And with that, let's talk about this final coming up tomorrow, Sunday. Court Philippe Chatrier. I want to overcorrect. I want to make an overcorrection. In my Djokovic Alcaraz preview, I mentioned the mental side of things at the very end, and I got it completely wrong. I thought Alcaraz was going to be able to handle the occasion. I didn't think his nerves were going to get in the way. I got it completely wrong. That was the biggest thing I got wrong. Uh, tactically, not as much, right? So, overcorrect. Let's talk about the mental right now. First thing. Uh, Djokovic is going to be the heavy favorite. And that is going to be a different feel for him. I'm sure coming into the Alcaraz match as Anybody does, as people in all sports do. Uh, you you convince yourself. You say, they're all doubting me. Nobody thinks I'm going to win. I will show them. I will show that, that I am the greatest ever. And this new upstart in Carlos Alcaraz has a lot to learn before he gets on my level. Right? That's going to be the... That's what I imagine Novak telling himself in the mirror. Okay? It might not be 100% accurate, but I'm sure I'm at least at least 50 to 75% of the way there. Uh, this is a different feel. This is more like, you know, Berrettini in the 2021 Wimbledon final. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. There might be other examples, but that's the first one that came to mind where, you know, Novak knows darn well he's expected to win this final. Is it going to be a little bit harder to come 
especially at the very start of the match for Djokovic to come straight out of the gates and execute just high, high octane, you know, offensive tennis off the ground. Usually that's harder to do when there's some tightness, when there's some tension in the arm. And Djokovic against Alcaraz didn't have that at all. He was hitting really big right away, offensive, not at the cost of errors either. That's going to be harder to do, I think. Uh, that said, you can you can be pretty confident that Novak will settle in. Uh, it's just a matter of how long it takes, if not right away. And at the end of the day, there is nobody I trust more under pressure than Novak Djokovic. Nobody I have ever watched play this sport who I think is better under pressure than Novak Djokovic. And uh, I'll leave it at that. From what I've read, Pete Sampras, pretty good. But I didn't really get to watch Pete. All right, Rude. He's done this twice now. That helps. That absolutely helps. Uh, the first time, I think, was a little bit of a, a false start. I think he wasn't really ready to be there, but he was playing Rafa. And, you know, there's a big brother, little brother dynamic there that does not help him. The second time, I think, was was an even better experience for, for Rude, honestly. He got the feeling of, of uh, probably a more accurate feeling, closer to what he's going to feel in, in this final. Uh, where, you know, he, he was an underdog, but he had been there before. And I, I, just, I just think the experience now that he's had two under his belt ultimately is going to help. And that's the bottom line. I don't really have any other point uh, beyond that. Um, other than if he gets a lead in this final, that's new territory for him. He will have never been there. And I'm pretty sure it's accurate to say that, you know, that's even true for the other big finals he's been in, even if we, you know, include like the Miami final in there against Alcaraz. I don't think he's ever had a lead in a big final. So that, as we know, changes the psychology every single time. Tactically speaking, let's start with Djokovic. Uh, Novak, what he does so well, he did it really well against Alcaraz. But in particular, uh, he's done it so well against uh, players who are a little bit uneven from the forehand and the backhand side, and they have a stronger forehand and a weaker backhand, is Novak goes hard into the forehand. He goes hard there with quality, pace, depth, and he rushes it out of power. He's done this against Rude in the past. It opens up the ad side. It creates space on that side of the court. Now when you go into the ad court and Djokovic changes direction just unbelievably well, masterfully, now when you change direction into the ad side, you have a player hitting their weaker shot on the run, which is much better, much better than when a player hits their weaker shot from a comfortable stationary position. Djokovic has many ways to exploit the Kasparud backhand. But it's not about going there again and again and again and again. That is not the recipe. Uh, Rude's backhand will not leak errors. It won't. Uh, 
it will, you know, you can go there, I think, even with with heaviness and weight of shot, and it's probably going to hold up just fine. And eventually, Rude will probably find an opportunity, if you continue to go there, to uh, create a forehand, which is what you definitely do not want. So it's not about going over there again and again and again. It's about going there and attacking the incoming ball as soon as possible. Attacking uh, the, the backhand of Rude the ball that comes from his backhand side, I should say. I want to be clear with my language. It's about attacking the ball that comes from his backhand side swiftly and taking advantage of that ball. Let's talk about that ball. It's spinny. It's slow. He tries to go down the line. He's trying to do it more and more, but it's usually cross. He does not go down the line with the proficiency of, of a Zverev, certainly not. Uh, a Medvedev, although Medvedev, it's more about if he decides to go down the line or not. Uh, even, yeah, I mean, a lot of players go down the line more often. Uh, Rude's not really that guy. So it's spinny. It's got a lot of shape. It's kind of slow. How do you exploit that? Well, I think, first of all, Djokovic will be able to attack it much better with his forehand than he can his backhand. There's one thing I left out of my quick analysis of Zverev Root is uh, Zverev really struggled, actually, to attack with the backhand off of Root's backhand because it was jumping up high and there wasn't a lot of pace for Zverev to work with. So when Et how Echeverry was taking his backhand cross-court with uh, much less shape and more speed. And Zverev had this unbelievable backhand day where he was just redirecting that pace like a lightning bolt. Uh, Rude was not giving him that opportunity. What Djokovic will need to do is be very aggressive, and he's done this, be very aggressive with the footwork. Find the forehand off of Rude's cross-court backhand and flatten it out from a high contact point, it's much easier for Novak to generate that pace on his forehand side. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to crush forehands inside in or inside out off of Rude's cross-court backhand whenever he can. Um, the other thing that Novak does a ton is he approaches to the backhand side. Now, Rude did well against Verev, but if I'm Novak, I'm, I'm just saying, all right, you know, good job in the semi. Do it again here. You know, do it against me. Uh, because in the past, that's really worked. Uh, Djokovic and, and Alcaraz did it in the U.S. Open final to Rude really, really well. Like, if you can get him on the move, if you can rush his backhand, first of all, he often goes to the slice. And that's, that's a volleyer's dream if he goes to the slice. If he doesn't go to the slice, he, he just struggles a bit to you know, flatten out those those passing shots. I shouldn't say flatten out because you don't need to flatten out a passing shot at all, actually. But you do have to hit fast and aggressive and precise into corners in order to execute a passing shot. And challenging Rude's backhand to do that has in the past just been a good play. And I expect a lot of serve and volley from, from Novak. Novak cannot let Rude get away with the high returning from the back fence from 20 feet behind the baseline that Zverev let him get away with. 
He simply can't. And I expect Djokovic to mix up the serve and volley probably, I would say, once per game. That might sound surprising to you, but I think it's coming. I think we're going to see Novak serve and volley maybe more than he has ever served and volleyed in a major final. As always, on the rude service games, first serve returns to Casper's backhand can be an issue for, for rude. Uh, much more so against Djokovic. Again, it comes down to his pace absorption on the return of serve and his precise redirecting of the tennis ball. It gives him the ability to find the backhand to eliminate the plus one forehand on a much more regular basis. Always something to watch out for when Novak is playing Rude when Novak is playing Tsitsipas, when Novak is playing even a lefty like Nadal. Those returns to the backhand. How often can he do that? Usually, somewhat often, and when he does do it often, that's where the breaks of serve come. It's in those games where he's forcing those first ball backhands. All right, for Casper, I feel like his forehand hasn't really shown up to the fullest extent in some of these big finals. It needs to be the best shot on the court. I, I think I've said this like a broken record before all of these rude major finals hasn't really materialized. It can be a shot that takes over matches. It did briefly in the third set against Alcaraz in the U.S. Open final. Like there was a second there where it kind of went red line mode. That's what it's got to be. I mean, he he needs to make it big, intimidating, consistent, offensive, all of the above. And it has the ability to be that. And as a pure as a pure pace generator, similar to how Alcaraz, you know, at the end of the day, made like there were a lot of things that went wrong for Alcaraz in the match. The forehand was extremely fruitful. For Carlitos in the semifinal. A lot of it was off of that setup that I was talking about, you know, just getting the ball high to Djokovic's backhand or pushing him back with the heavy RPMs and attacking with the forehand from there. I mean, Alcaraz had a lot of forehand winners, a lot of forehand uh, forced errors. It was that big, bad weapon on the court, particularly in the second set, uh, which, which Alcaraz, you know, a set that Alcaraz won, right? Rude really needs that to be the big baseline weapon. Uh, it can't be Djokovic's forehand like what happened in the ATP Finals. Djokovic's forehand being just as big, actually bigger, than Rude's forehand. Part of that is court position. He, he needs to take time away. He needs to be willing to go down the line. We saw what happens when you go cross-court. Alcaraz saw what happens if you go cross-court too much. Is Djokovic's forehand will will absorb your pace and throw it back at you like like Pikachu. Okay? And I don't know how I don't know what other analogy to use. That's the analogy. Or Kirby. Kirby and Super Smash. I'm not even a gamer. All right. I'm not even a gamer and I'm I'm throwing you these analogies. Um some of you guys like that. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. All right. Uh he needs to kill second serve returns. He needs to use his feet I'm sorry, I just got to text Joel and Amy here that I need five minutes um, before I record three. He needs to use his feet to create forehands 
it, it's unacceptable, especially on the deuce side, if Rude it allows himself to just hit backhands on the second serve return. You must use your big boy weapon. Okay, that's a footwork thing. I think on the backhand, take some risk. Go down the line. We know what happens the other way around. We know what happens if you try to trade cross-court passively against Novak and you allow him to use the big backhand down the line. I don't think I've really talked about that, but if you know Novak will going hard into the forehand is what I did talk about, but a lot of that is off of the backhand down the line, uh, which would be produced from Rude's cross-court backhand. So that's that's if that's if Novak can't find a forehand off of Rude's cross-court backhand. Okay, what I don't think Novak's going to do a lot is hit cross-court backhand, cross-court backhand, cross-court backhand, and get into that pattern. That's what I don't think Novak will do. Um, but anyway, Rude, Rude needs to go down the line with his own backhand. And he needs to be willing to take some risk up the ante. It's not, it's not his game, but you're playing Novak Djokovic. You must come up with something special. Uh, continue the terrific passing shots that were present against Zverev. That is absolutely a key. Novak will be at net a lot. Let's see what Casper can come up with. And lastly, mind your court position. A lot of Djokovic's offense is coming from drop shots and net approaches. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Rude, especially after the return of serve, needs to, needs to be active with his feet and get back up in the court. I think it's super important because he's not going to win points on defense here. He's not going to win points on defense if he's well behind the baseline. Djokovic is too clinical on his finishing with his drop shots and his net play and even his power aggression. Uh, there's no way that Rude is going to have the same success defending that he had against Verev. So it, it's got to be more uh, tilted towards aggressive court positioning and aggressive ground stroking. My prediction... Look, Djokovic has dominated this matchup. He's been playing his very best tennis. And he's going to continue to lean on his experience. He's got to think about 2021 when he beat Nadal in the semifinal. And ended up winning the title. But, you know, it took some time to settle in against Tsitsipas. I think Novak will be will be thinking back to that. And he'll be he'll be thinking, I need a better start. Need a better start. Can't. Can't fall into the trap of last time. But even if you go back to, to other tournaments, Novak has experience with these big wins and having to recover for the final. Uh, Wimbledon 18, when he beat Nadal in that semifinal, then had to play Kevin Anderson. He took care of business very well there. There have been some small physical issues for Novak. Pop up, you know, right forearm popped up in the semifinal. Elbow coming in. I think some, some lower body issues, some leg issues in some of the earlier rounds. Nothing major. Uh, but really, the physical stuff is the only way I see a problem for Djokovic here. My prediction is Novak in three sets. Not because I'd be surprised if Rune won, uh, Rune, uh, if Rude won a set. Uh, that's not really how I do my sets predictions. Uh, the reason my pick is Djokovic in three is because ultimately I would be very surprised if Kasper Rude won the match. But I am hopeful that what Rude will do is deliver his best performance to date in a major final. I just don't even think that would be enough. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.